0: Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This is the start of a new year. And uh, after a brief hiatus, the Cloud 2030 group is back, deep in tech, talking about things that we think are going to come on the tech front, uh, sans AI. Uh, That's too hard to predict. Um, And in this episode, we take some time to go through Kubernetes, hardware, software bill of materials, so governance, um, and then we dive into a little bit of hardware. So um, a smattering of predictions uh, to get your uh, year started off with a bang. Uh, And from here, we are going to be uh, moving into our Tech Ops series, which looks really great. More details on the outro. but the topic for today was going to be um 2024 sort of tech ideas going forward um and i think different than what we talked about for on thursday which were sort of the larger trend lines um i'm i'm curious uh and this opens up one of actual you know what do we what do we think could happen this year from a tech perspective and i would take ai off the table <laughs> 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 um because mm. I think we can blanket say everything is gonna try and figure out some AI angle and chatbot angle. And right. uh um but uh I was curious more broadly, because I was you know, even like um the uh New Year's Eve news of Cisco acquiring um uh which it was one of the isovalent, I think. One this of the, the one. EBPF
1: that's a very surprising one. Why why is surprising? I I didn't see it coming. Uh okay. Yeah.
0: It it definitely, I mean, it from a firewall and security perspective, and I think how some of those the eBPF pieces are being positioned. Um it makes a ton of sense to me. Um, and that was one of my takeaways from reInvent was um Sysdig, which is in that in that marketplace, um, was really pushing hard um, about basically embedded firewall and you know uh, endpoint protection type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But Isovalent seemed more Kubernetes focused.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cilium is a huge um, or has a huge presence as a uh, network plugin for Kubernetes and. Mm-hmm they, they had been doing a lot of work in essentially trying to bring um, service mesh features to the uh, CNI. Oh right um, where, which is where eBPF would have been incredibly handy there. Um, which is also why it it, it it was kind of shocking for me to, to hear Cisco acquiring them because now, the future of that capability is in question for me. Like it, it's, it's, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be as bad as IBM uh, acquiring them. But um, <laughs> the Cisco does not exactly have a track record of uh, maintaining software outside of their platform um, to the extent that independent uh, companies do. Right. Well, and
0: they got they got burned pretty hard on
1: some of the OpenStack
0: acquisitions and, and pieces like that. It's it's weird because Kubernetes didn't create the same ground rush of, of quick acquisitions and exits. And and we just had um what had been Mesosphere, DTIQ, um close their doors um not long, you know, not not long ago. Um could twenty twenty four be the a year when we see more acquisitions and and shakeout in the Kubernetes community.
1: Uh, as much as I wish it it, it didn't, um, I fear it might be. Okay. Um, this Go ahead. also the that also coupled with the with the whole set of companies um, like exiting uh, like open source licenses or or, or exiting yeah. open source friendly licenses. Um, that puts the future of a lot of projects in, in doubt uh, at least w- when they're like not cncf um yeah no it's like, so,
0: ones. so do you think that, <laughs> there's so there's three components in this i think that are interestingly linked we're going to see some some players shake out and exit exit the exit this because they haven't figured out the monetization model we're going to see um some of the stronger players, I think, be acquired by the big vendors, because it's it's probably a good time to cash out. But, you know, is there is there another open source player that um, we, we we would look at and say, OK, wait, you know, they that license might disappear or change?
1: Well, I mean, there's the recent post from uh, Bruce Parents about uh, what, what he was calling post open source. Uh, which is not not so much about like ending open source, but more about um acknowledging that uh current open source licenses are not enough anymore, particularly because a lot of players have like all the new posts have been found, they're they're getting exploited. Yeah. So um he he makes yeah, that yeah, that that's exactly the the post. It's a register. He he makes a case for um for new open source licenses that uh, essentially close those gaps and make open source more resilient in the future,
0: like closing the gaps by, like, I, okay, I I haven't read it, so I well, it. So is is it? G, it's just uh, GPL is acting the way it's not acting the way GPL should have. So it's it's basically people are putting things out and then they're no, it's not defended. <laughs>
1: Well, um, no. Like GPL is acting the, the, the way it should have it, like within its context. Um, the issue though is that when there's a GPL violation, um, it is hard to go against the big players to to defend your the open source against a violation. Um, so so the argument is that it needs. To be rethought what like how open source is defended. Um, mm-hmm. um like both in terms of uh making it simpler to defend but also making it uh more more friendly for a company to continue being open source.
0: Yeah. No that's that that's these open the open source models that we've seen are, are very hard to sustain um uh, and,
1: and, and, and in that context like one thing that, that like and i know in the past we, we, we've talked about like open source whether it's a, whether it's a viable business model or not mm-hmm. uh well, one thing that i that, that finally realized uh, over the the holidays is that uh, open source is, is not a good business model because open source is not a business model in, at all <laughs> it's a social model
0: right now I, now, now a, whether a open contract, source is compatible
1: yeah. with a good business model that that's the actual question
0: well it the, the quote in this in this article that's jumping out to me is right with stallman he didn't want to take away anyone's rights he he only wanted to grant rights so it's not a contract there's no there's no protections yeah um and uh and maybe part of what we're looking looking for here is that people can have ways to have open open source without giving up commercial i mean that's part of part of what makes the whole thing work is yeah. is you know your the the users and i guess maybe this is the problem we've talked this item to death so i don't have in, in other 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 discussions um <laughs> But this idea that you know you can share code, you can you can create a community, people can contribute and collaborate around it, um, without having a competitor walk in and, and monetize your work. Um,
1: and, and then yeah. there's the, the other side of mm-hmm. the, the thing, which uh, I mean, it, it does come from like this article that just put in chat. Um, I don't. I don't know how biased developer's Alliance is, but I I have a hunch that it might be a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> but like, if we just read what what the what the article says and and, and at least take with a grain of salt, even um, the fact that there are there are hmm. legal movements to make um liability for software uh or to or to to enforce liability for failures from software
0: yes i Um, I remember this was this is something we didn't get a chance to discuss this is that european union um liability uh framing for 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 software painting saying if there's bugs somebody somebody you can actually find somebody and hold them accountable even if it's open source
1: you know um I mean it, it what what when I'm reading this from, from between the lines like the, the article seems to be uh like fairly heavy on the on the fear mining part. Um like my my take on it is that you're liable if you're monetizing your open source. Which again that that is completely within the device of open source. Like the like open source was was not was never about Giving it away for free, it, it was about making the source code available. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. So um, and that's and, and yeah. So if you are selling a product, you, you have to be liable for what you're selling. Um, whether the extent of liability is reasonable or not, that's yet yet to be determined. Uh, but within that context, I don't see like like open source libraries becoming liable. Because they're giving they're they're giving away for free. Like there, there's no sale of that. Um, we'll we'll see, however, if that's actually the case or not. And in, in the future, like if someone tries to open a case for this,
0: I it'd be fascinating to see. It, it's one of the things we talk about all the time. Because if you're using open source software, you really do, do need to understand how it's being maintained, yeah. um, and and who's responsible for fixing. And I think I think. We, as an industry, I know when I first got involved with open source, I really underestimated um, the production, delivery, and maintenance components of the things that like it, it was all so, it was all sort of happy and go lucky. Only Red Hat really understood what you know what the 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 delivery mechanism value was here, right? You know, a lot of people were just throwing compiled code out into the wind. Um, on SourceForge, um, uh, and and the and the quality was actually pretty high. I it's you know are yeah. we just living in a more complex world where quality is degraded or
1: I I don't think so. No, the, the the quality is still the same. It's it's just that the the world that that we're in, like we we use the components more, we we touch the mm-hmm. edge cases more often. Because of, because of the higher frequency of use. Mm-hmm. And um, there is also a lot more scrutiny by malicious actors. So um, yeah. any mistake get, gets abused more quickly. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, no, we're, we're much more connected. That's true. And in some ways, we're selling smaller pieces of, you know, it's, things are more connected. It's harder for people to know if you're sending data out from that perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my desktop and I'm like, I've, I'm trying to count up, you know, what I have for free software, which is not as high as it had been. Like I'm using OBS, which, um, I don't, I'm not even sure how to pay for it. Most of the other utilities I have have all transitioned to either vendor apps or paid services like, um, Spotify as a subscription versus Napster.
1: um, or donation or finance services like mastodon yes
0: and and Ma- mastodon um that's a good point um i i have i have not contributed at the moment to the mastodon feed and actually and even something like x which had been um you know that that's moving towards a paid service yeah mm-hmm. um although at my usage threshold i'm going to fall under whatever their free tier is um but
1: um Uh, anyway going back to the to the european thing um Mm -hmm. but yes it it, it is going to be disruptive for a lot of businesses that haven't put the effort into um what's essentially compliance like with their open source and and, and maintenance Mm -hmm. but um i personally i feel that in the end, this is going to drive the to, or to, to drive the community towards better maintainability uh, and mm-hmm. better patching, and as a result, just get better compliance with regulatory requirements in general. Like the this- like the, the requirements to the for example to, to maintain or, or to update open source libraries that that one is using, right? Mm-hmm. Mean, that goes hand in hand with with uh, with next year's uh, software su- supply chain requirements for Fedra. Ah, right. So, so, um, so that's
0: an interesting. Is is twenty twenty four a year of the SBOM, bomb? Right. Do, these these requirements are driving us towards needing software bill of materials. I've been looking for a, a driver. Um, you know, if we're studying the regulatory wise, you know needing to produce a a software bill of materials, um, then that's going to start driving what you're, you know, (laughs) you'll look at it and be like, hey, wait a second, why is this open source library not being updated? Or why am I using this version? Um,
1: I I think 2023 was our year of the hmm, S-bomb. There was enough adoption of it that that we can call it that. I, I think 2024 is going to be the year of um, maintainability and compliance, where where the S one is not just available, but the actual integration of it into the SPLC, uh is going to become more prevalent uh, and hopefully commonplace.
0: <laughs> We're finally going to look at the data and be like, "Ooh, ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah." That that's I think I think that's a that that is a significant step forward, and I, I think it's funny because the the articles that we were bringing up for open source don't don't talk about S bombs that I'm I'm seeing, and I think that's a miss. Um, you know, understanding how connected you know once we're starting to show how connected software is, I I do think that some of the open source questions will resolve themselves, maybe bit, at least into some curation questions um uh i have other 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 interesting things to drop in, in in the times we have any any hardware 2024 interesting hardware i know i'm tracking a couple but
1: um nothing does crossed my radar yet at least mm-hmm. in our consumer hardware um i haven't really mm-hmm. paid much attention to enterprise hardware
0: i i heard um, the hard part hard work guys talking about the apple um uh face computer which i think i think it looks super like there's there's a couple of people i know who've been gotten monitor like glasses that are also monitors um Mm -hmm. which look interesting and then i think the apple wearable computer um looks looks actually very interesting to me um it's a little pricey for me to take on as a as a cool experiment um, um,
1: it it is not a replacement for a desktop computer because yeah. of its weight, you, you just cannot use it for the amount of time that you would be using a like a laptop or. But, or a desktop. but
0: if if I could find a reasonably decent uh, glasses that were monitors, and I could plug that into uh, the laptop, right, and use that when I was in situations where I didn't want to be like like on a plane or at a conference or something where I'm where I'm where, where privacy I want privacy and portability and I want to be able to sort of be in the moment but also typing and taking notes um I I think there's an interesting potential for us to finally have um glasses that have a degree of um, augmented reality or or actual monitors built into them
1: right there's also the low tech option of a polarization filter mm-hmm um, or th- at least a, a, that that will significantly protect you from like side glances.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's and I that that is true. I, I think there's an element of of just you know maybe maybe I'm being paranoid from that perspective, but yeah. or or I just need to get uh,
1: polarization plus glasses.
0: Um <laughs> that would be then I could do it
1: i yeah. um, the, the the problem with glasses is that well if you're wearing them how, how are you looking at other things yeah um, unless they are a r glasses truly really partials yeah yeah,
0: yeah. And, or and the res- uh, the resolution i i don't know i i i think that there's a lot of interest in this this is a tag as a technology, but like the a r stuff that we were tracking you know a while ago hasn't really pulled itself together. The metaverse stuff hasn't hasn't pulled itself together. Um you know, I actually I would just over the New Year's break, crank cranked up my uh index with, um just the valve version of of the AR of the VR thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Found out one of my things was broken and had to send it off to get fixed. That's how that's how little I'm using it at the moment. It's because yeah. it's uh, it's it's just not that great an experience at the moment. I, I don't think the killer app has surfaced well. Um, yeah. on the on the data center side, I'm I'm actually I keep watching the CXL technology with ex, this extended bus. Um. Uh, the weird thing is, I keep I hear different. This is this is a, a funny one. I hear different people. Have different reasons why the technology is cool. So um, yeah.
1: So yeah, so, so I don't know anything about this. Is this okay. are we talking like uh when we're talking extended bus, is this mm-hmm. like like the next generation of PCI or USB or
0: it's it's PCI. So what 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 they've been doing is taking the PCI bus and turning it into a real high-speed bus. And so you can um, connect basically a rack of servers up um, with a shared and this is where it gets interesting. There's places where they're using it for for memory sharing. So um, what you can do is you can put um, memory extensions on the the bus. The bus is fast enough that it's not as it's not exact not quite as fast as as mainline memory, but it's not much slower. And the new version of this spec allows you to have shared bus resources. So you could put memory and create a shared memory model across multiple servers. And then that could be graphics card memory or it could be um server memory. And so now you actually have created a it's almost a it's, at that point, it's a mainframe. You have independent processors with shared high-speed interconnect memory. Um but people but, are using it for you know, like to put GPUs, more GPUs than a box can hold or making. I just don't see people doing this, moving GPUs around and like flexing machine configurations. Um, that
1: sounds both exciting and terrifying at the same time.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we've we've seen that the challenge is that when we watch people buy hardware, they don't buy like GPUs are hard enough to get. That you don't buy as GPU saying, Oh, I'm gonna put spare uh commodities lying in my data center and and hope somebody uses them. Usually you say, All right, I'm I'm buying servers for this use case. I'm gonna, you know, you you don't plan low utilization. Um and and so it's not, you know, I just I just don't see commercially where people are gonna buy expensive components and not have them in use. And you can't reconfigure systems easily um with without creating spare capacity. Um, may, I mean, maybe I, I mean I could see it in a lab. It's super interesting in a lab, but that's a expensive proposition. So I it looks really cool. I can see these really interesting use cases. Um supposedly some of the um the the um Cloud providers are are using it or looking at it to solve some, you know, networking or storage um, storage latency or networking latency. That's the biggest, the biggest win would be CXL into a, not to, I don't know what the biggest one is at the moment, but you could use it to connect into a switch. And um, the big limitations on the HPC clusters at the moment are InfiniBand interconnect. And you could use this to potentially um, bypass the InfiniBand block on uh, internode networking. Mm. Uh,
1: I guess another option, uh, option might be like to, like, if, you, if it allows you to direct the, the GPUs separately from, from the servers and then connect them mm-hmm. to a server on demand. Right. Then, like as a data center owner, you would be able to pro to pro- uh, use the, the same servers as both GPU and non-GPU instances. Like, right. like mm-hmm. if the if the user wants a GPU instance, well, they they get a VM and and you attach one of the available GPUs to it. Um the the thing I, I worry that, about latency though.
0: I the latency the latency is not a problem. The the thing that 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 use case falls down to me in is paying paying the money and to reconfigure cuz you still need to reinstall the OS and it there is a there is a the OSs are not very good about being dynamically reconfigured. So you, you end up rebuilding the OS, That's how rack gets involved in this cuz we're really <laughs> we're good at that part. Um but the but the challenge is that if you if you were like hey and you know I need gpu machines in the day and I need non gpu machines at night uh, reconfiguring the machines just to do that workload doesn't make a lot of sense because you know it, it just run you're you're going to you're, you're you're buying that asset you're going to run those gpu machines as much as you possibly can or you just just buy fewer gpus um, and so it it, the economics the economics of it those use cases to me haven't worked out i've for the last god i can remember the first at least 15 years i've been having this conversation of you know if if i could reconfigure own server then i could you know change them day to night what they were going to do i'm like this people don't want to Swing servers they buy servers for use they run that use and either then they retire them and give them to somebody else or usually they just you know they, they we're not as much as I would love to see people doing this they're not dynamically changing the utility of a server from one one person to another mm-hmm. one use to another um but I mean it, maybe, it, maybe one it, day people will surprise
1: me it, it, I mean it, it might be that they eventually did the technology comes into the consumer space. Um, like if, if for example, I can just attach a GPU peripheral to, to my laptop and get a much improved bandwidth versus what I can do now with that old or, or, or anything else
0: would be very interesting. Yeah, no, then then you could then you could basically sit down, plug in a, a laptop and get more CPUs, more rent, like take you could take your travel laptop Drop it, you know, plug it into a system, and then all of a sudden you're basically you know boosted it to desktop capacity. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. OS's have to be able to accommodate that type of a change. Um, that Which brings we're me. Getting there. Yeah, we're we're getting and the OS's are starting to do that, and I think that you know with this technology the OS vendors will will, will look into it. Um, we're almost out a time. I was going to throw in my last my other hard one, I, hard, hardware. I think that with um the Macs really moving aggressively in arm, I know it's much more available in um, cloud, it feels like we should be getting closer to arm general arm access, general arm um, compatibility because the Mac the right. Mac arm processors are great and they they haven't really. Caused any issues as far as I'm, I can see. I,
1: I I don't see that happening though because ARM ARM varies a lot from implementation. Like he, you cannot take uh, like a kernel built for Mac ARM and run it on Raspberry Pi or vice versa. Um, the risk five on the other hand that 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 would be much more likely to um, to make that happen. Uh, and th- there's been rumors of like some vendors uh building laptops on that that would be an interesting very interesting play
0: hmm. Hmm. all right i'll put that down on the cool all right i am i i do need to wrap it up uh this was fun though i, I love thinking thinking forward um next week uh, we'll go through the outline for what I've been calling it the tech op series and um, we'll we'll lay out. I have 10 topics to start and we'll see if there's some more. But um, what I'm thinking of doing is driving and the rack and team's going to join um, uh, 200 level content like automating core data center operational services. Um and so we'll we'll, we'll set that. Up. We'll start it next week with a conversation about it, and then we'll we'll run after that on the topics. That's good, thanks. Cool. All right. Talk to you all soon.
1: Bye. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: There's something deeply satisfying about uh, talking about what's coming, uh, looking at the year that passed, and then going in and really digging into what we think might happen, um, and. Those conversations um, are fun to think about, uh, even more fun to go back and listen to at the end. Uh, From here, we are going to be moving into our tech ops series, and I hope you will join us for these discussions. Um, We are going to be looking at data center fundamentals, but from what I call a 200 level, so an intermediate and advanced level with the focus on automation. So if you think you know DNS, DHCP, uh, image-based deployments, CICD integration, uh, RAID and BIOS, those types of subjects, we are going to be looking at them, not teaching you how they work, but actually looking at how we automate them. So some intermediate and advanced content uh, should be really fascinating material that will consume most of the next several months in the lunch and learn discussions. Um, I hope you will consider joining us, bringing in your questions, um, listening to these podcasts. They, sh- they should be fantastic. The whole detail and the agenda will be available at the 2030.cloud. Take some time. Um Bring some topics. Let us know what you would like to discuss. It's going to be a really exciting series, um, and we're going to turn that into blog posts and other content that should be very accessible for a a big audience. Thanks, and I will see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently. Because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and You know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. All part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.